Welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Paul. Today we're going to discuss workplace culture. What is it and does it really matter to people planning out their career development? So Paul, today I'm going to question you. Are you looking forward to it? Can't wait. <laughs> okay, Paul. With regards to, I suppose, company leadership and management, like how important is that in, in the workplace culture uh, and, and how does it come into it really? Um, company's leadership and management is key to workplace culture. Um, actually just at an event this morning that Talavest organised in Zelando, um, which was really good and it came up um, and I think we talked about it before actually, but um, the whole idea of workplace culture and lived values and everything else needs to start from the top. It needs to be lived, it needs to be uh, really um, embedded within an organisation and without strong leadership around that uh, and management doing their part and being visibly active around culture and what they want to achieve, then uh, it, it tends to fall down. It tends to be seen as you know, kind of a tick box ex- exercise and uh, yeah, no, no substance behind it. So it's it's absolutely critical. So you need you really need the executive team to buy in, buy in. Um, how would how would you go about that? How do you get the buy in from the executive team? I think um, culture and HR and recruitment and all of those areas in general um, tend to be maybe a little bit further down the list than than they should be. I think sometimes you know leadership teams management teams can focus on things that are very uh, obviously revenue generating and um, so it, it's it's around bottom line but I think being able to demonstrate how creating a positive culture or uh, creating a, a, an employee employer value proposition that people want to work with and work for and embody and um, does impact bottom line so it's, it's how do you demonstrate that how do you get buy-in at senior levels by showing that, you know, investing time and resources into creating a positive culture um, will work and will translate into into bottom line. Like there, there's really obvious stats out there, you know, it, it costs more to recruit than retain. Um, it's it's easier to recruit if your employee culture is, is right, which reduces the cost of time to hire and, and things like that. You, you get the right person in the door, they tend to stick around longer. And there's less training costs and everything else. So there, there are very clear ways that you can measure the impact of a positive culture. Okay. And I suppose from the event you were at this morning, did, I suppose, were there any kind of EVPs that kind of struck you? Or was there anything, or, or not even this morning, just in general, any companies that have a really strong EVP? You don't um, have to name any names. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> really putting me on the spot. Um, cultures with a strong EVP... Um, so, well, I think you need to think about cultures that are attractive from an employer brand perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's easy for companies that are well known, that have, um, uh, have a brand that, that's well recognized and well yeah. organized. So like looking in, in Dublin, just across the river from us, you have Facebook, you have Google, you have LinkedIn, uh, you have Twitter, somewhere over there. They're all all the tech brands, yeah. yeah. But apart from being tech giant, they're easily recognisable brands. Yeah, 
Like you used to work in Bank of Ireland. Everyone knows the Bank of Ireland yeah. is. They have branches, they have physical, physical locations, you have a card in your sure. pocket. I think where it becomes a little bit more difficult is if your brand is maybe more uh, niche to a particular sector mm. or, you know, it's, it's not something that you'd know unless you've come across it, if yeah. that kind of makes sense. It's not publicly aware. So um, I think that's a big thing from a, a, an EV, EVP perspective. Um, that you know your, your brand overall is strong and, and recognizable and it's I suppose how do you build on that how do you make sure people are aware of you as an employer uh, what is your employer brand and, and are people kind of aware of that and how do you do that if you're not mainstream in, in terms of a brand yeah um, so I suppose it's it, yeah it's it's kind of recognizing where you are at from a, a, a branding an overall branding perspective um, and then uh, working to to address any gaps or any issues with that, I think it's I think it's really important actually from a an SME perspective. So if I think about what I do and maybe smaller domestic fund managers or boutique um, fund administration firms or you know any of the IFSC banks that aren't necessarily retail banks, so therefore don't have a massive following or, or recognition, but still need to recruit and are competing with tech giants now because it's not just financial services competing with each other and I think it's really important for for those guys in particular to think about what they can offer what their brand is and how they're going to attract people and Mm. uh, you know spend some time and and probably a little bit of money on getting their message out there to to enable them to recruit and and retain properly okay so as you know like we work across i'm sure you do know we work with uh, <laughs> familiar large, with what we, do, right. <laughs> we work with large um financial institutions and then right right down to startups and something i suppose something i i hear a lot of from from my tech candidates is they like to have direct impact on on their yeah. on their work would that fall into evp do you think could that be part Definitely. of the EVP? Having resources on site and all the rest? Uh, resources on, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's just about resources on site. Like what you mentioned in terms of impact on work. Yeah. I think that's really uh, not easy, but it it's easier for smaller companies or for startups where you're number 10 in the door. Yeah. Um, you know what the product is, where the product's going, etc. Yeah. And you can directly see, like if you're a, a UI person, mm. um, and you're going to work on on a uh, you know on, on a particular product with a fintech, for example, you know that you you're going to be ultimately responsible for the UI user experience for that or the user interface for that product. It's really easy to see what you've done and how it's translatable. Um, it's easy even to to show your mates. You know, I was involved in this. Yeah. Look, look what I did or whatever. It gets harder when it's um, larger. when it's larger and when you need to functionalize and when jobs become inherently more specialist as, as mm. you grow so I think that's that's important to try to keep that philosophy going through because purpose particularly in in the in the millennial generation and gen x or y or z or whatever the next whatever generation is um <laughs> choking aside they, they do want to see purpose yeah and um, they do want to see how what they do makes an impact they want to see how they've contributed to um you know their their company and their career um so i think showing it um showing how their role is important and mm. um, is is important yeah um, also i think you know giving them the opportunity to contribute outside of the role 
um, new term I heard this morning actually that I hadn't heard before is kind of it's it's a plus one so it's it's outside of your day-to-day yeah. responsibilities and um, so you know give people a responsibility for defining an employer brand give people a responsibility for uh, you know developing recruitment strategy if you're, if you're going to do it yourself sure give people responsible for I don't know your corporate social responsibility policies give, give people responsibility for things they can have a direct impact on is sure. definitely important and I suppose that that leads us on nicely to the next point um just around company policies and philosophies so that would kind of encompass um I suppose approach to pay and conditions um so how would that feed in overall in the in the in, in under this topic? Paying conditions. They, I, I suppose, the company policies and philosophies. It's a, it's a pretty big question. Um, so I I think companies taking a step back, companies need to define who they are and what they are themselves and develop um, policies around that. Um, policy is not a great word probably because it it sounds rigid and it sounds sure. inflexible and everything else. Um. So uh, I, I think define what you are and what you want to achieve and how you want to have your culture uh, or how you want to embed a particular culture within your organisation. And then I think it's about uh, setting out kind of a, a roadmap to, to getting there and recognising where you are on that roadmap. Um, like any company that's established any length of time has some form of employer brand, has some form of uh, you know, policy in place as some sort of vision for where they want to go. So sure. you're somewhere on a roadmap already. Okay. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the policy side is 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 important. And I think, you know, try to think of the try to think of the counterpoint to any particular policies. So one thing that people are very strong on at the minute is innovation and, you know, they'll talk about their culture being uh uh, really focus on innovation and you have the opportunity to contribute and you have the opportunity to innovate and come up with new ideas and everything else and that's great but the counterpoint to innovation is failure so most ideas um, or not most but a lot of ideas will fail so does your culture allow for failure and how does your culture allow for failure do you mm. have examples of it how do you demonstrate it how do you recognise it and turn it into a positive so sure. think, think, think of what you want to achieve set out a bit of a, a plan or a roadmap to achieve it um, and importantly, remember the counterpoint to, to whatever it is that you're trying to trying to achieve. Excellent. Okay. Um, on excellent. Vi- excellent. Thank very, you. very good one. <laughs> Praise indeed. <laughs> Clap. Um, on the physical working environment, I suppose the tech giants would have pulled in, you know, gained a lot of traction given their physical physical working environment. But I suppose. Every, that's kind of nearly a given nowadays and with all the shared office spaces in in dublin um like i suppose we can all enjoy the that physical working environment so how important is it now to people um i wouldn't say everyone has the office environment just right just yet yeah no not everyone but it has become a lot more yeah definitely it's more commonplace to have yeah. a nice working environment and it is important you're, you're there an awful lot of time most days um, you know, regardless of, of agile working and, and remote working and everything else, your physical office is is um, somewhere that people spend an awful lot of time. So getting that right is, is important. Mm. I think it feeds into your culture. Um, you know, if you're somewhere that wants to promote things like innovation and uh, generating new ideas and, and all of that side, you need to have spaces that are kind of conducive to that. Yeah. Um, you know, is is there is there a room where people can go to to think about these types of things? Is there the 
physical infrastructure there? Like, do you have um, smart whiteboards, for example? Do you have, uh, you know, your your um, screens and offices that are set up for VC should be easily enough connected to laptops wirelessly and all that, ju- just to make the infrastructure of things like innovation easy. Yeah. Um, I think from from a recruitment perspective, it's important also. Uh, it, it's kind of your shop window, I suppose. Yeah. It's the first uh, first impression that people get of you as a company is your is your office very often, sure. or or your website, which should have pictures of your office. Um, so that that is that is definitely important as well. But I think, um, you know, we we've we've said it before for sure, and I talk to clients about this a lot is salaries have become a little bit more homogenous now. Mm. If, if you're good, you'll get paid market rates or in and around what it should be. And um, benefits are kind of becoming relatively homogenous. So it's all the other stuff around culture, like the physical office, like yeah. the remote working, like DNI, like, you know, all, all of those types of things are becoming a lot more important. And yeah. it all kind of feeds in together. Absolutely. Um, with communication in the, in the workplace, um, I know something that comes up a lot uh, when I speak to people is around transparency from the from the from the top down, um, like communication. I suppose in the workplace in general, any kind of thoughts or anything to discuss? Um, yeah. So, I think having having an open and transparent communication policy is really important it feeds into what we talked about earlier on in terms of people understanding where their role fits and how it contributes to an an organization's overall goals like if you don't know where an organization is going um, and how it's going to get there some form of roadmap it's really hard to translate that into um, into your world and what you do particularly as you grow Mm. and I think in a small company it's it's easy enough you're likely all sitting in the same room and you know you're you're uh, you're all working quite quite closely together it's easy enough to share where a company is going and communication around that but um as you grow um it's probably one of the things that does get a little bit harder and it's how do you effectively communicate is it you know just mass emails do you do town halls do you do um is there is there new ways of, of kind of communicating that people need to work on like slack for example i think is pretty heavily used in the tech world um, as, as a good way of communicating um, so be, being able to communicate is, is obviously massively important if I think of my own experience um, when I was in, in State Street actually in, in Poland one of the, the things that I, I thought was really really done well over there in particular um, was communication from the leadership team um, so we would have had weekly management meetings um, which were which were really important to get the kind of weekly stuff done to introduce new ideas, but they would have done town halls, I think it was a quarterly basis, but really kind of open discussions around where the company was going, where Poland fit within the overall um, company kind of strategy and everything mm-hmm. else, um, and it really drove engagement. I know the the, the guy who uh, the guy who heads up Poland there, Scott Newman, was always... Uh, well, I'd say 90% of new hire induction days he would have spoke at. Okay. So he, he kind of kicked it off from the start. Yeah. Um, would have gone down and spent time with people, you know, had a chat with them, introduced the company, uh, talked about what to do and, and how the role was important. And, and that all fed into kind of future communication. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I just from an engagement perspective and from a culture perspective it creates an atmosphere of kind of openness and um, gives people a sense of kind of value and importance and I think it's really important that financial services in particular uh, that leadership within financial services companies aren't stuck in an office uh, you know just banging out emails you need to do a little bit more than that to engage people I think yeah absolutely and I think just on the the hierarchy piece like people coming into the workplace nowadays they want access to the you know the top executives they want to be heard they want their their opinions to matter so that was a that was a really nice point that you made with State Street that you know Scott coming down to speak with people from day one um just I suppose overall Paul um what what do you think the characteristics of a healthy work culture should should entail I think um so a healthy work culture you keep asking really big questions <laughs> Unconscious of time, but things like work life balance um, are obviously really important. Uh, I know myself, and something that we try to do is, is kind of I know we start a bit earlier, but try to finish on time so you have mm. a little bit of a life outside of work. Because certainly, in what we do, you're talking to people every day, it's, it's full on from a mental perspective, if that's the right word. So, you need downtime, yeah, and it's the same in other companies. and you know other other organizations and other roles you need time away from the office or away from the laptop screen or away from the phone um to to give yourself a break um, and i think more than just giving yourself kind of a break it's around um giving giving your brain time to rest and, and kind of sort through your thoughts almost on a subconscious level i find personally i find if I, I'm struggling with something or trying to come up with a, a new way of doing things or if we're trying to introduce something or if I've, I've done it before very often it's not the day you have the thought of doing something new it's it's a couple of days later when you've somehow it's gone to the back of your brain and then jump forward mm. you know and it's, it's kind of organized itself almost and um, if that makes any sense but so having that work-life balance and being able to do it uh, is is important for those types of things and um, it prevents burnout it prevents you know uh, employee related stress which is really important and um, it's uh, mindfulness and wellness are, are, are really topical at the minute but but also genuinely important and something that people look for um, and talk to us about when they're they're looking at potential employees so certainly work-life balance is, is really important also things like the social aspects um, and I think it needs to be kind of recognized now that Friday pints are not just the the only thing that can be done from a social perspective, and um, I think it's it's a really Irish thing that we assume that everyone wants to go to the pub on a Friday night or, <laughs> or whatever. And um, there's loads of other things now. There's like the escape rooms and you know paintball or, or whatever else. Anyway, there's there's loads of stuff that can be done around that. But yeah. giving people the opportunity to make social connections and work, um, uh, that's outside of of day to day somewhere where you're not talking about work all the time. It is is I think really important and, and does create a much better um, atmosphere. Makes um, teamwork a lot a lot better. I think people are more invested if they know a little bit more about people and, and the people that they work with. And you know we spend an awful lot of time in work, around work, thinking about work, talking about work, etc. So it's a big part of people's lives. And I think for most people, people the social aspect is is an important part of that. Brilliant. 
Paul, thank you very much for letting me pick your brain and for dealing with all those awkward questions. No <laughs> thank you very much to our listeners. Um, please remember to tune in to our next episode. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.